Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, uh, we've got a really interesting show today for everyone uh, because bereaved people are really struggling uh, during this COVID time. And uh, we have got a great guest to talk to us about that today, some of the issues that you may have when you're feeling bereaved and how you're going to deal with that anxiety and disappointment. I think there's a huge amount of disappointment and, you know, disappointment's a deep word. People are disappointed about the way end of life has happened and what they haven't been able to do. So Hyde, would you introduce our guest? Sure, I'd love to. And our guest today has been on our Open to Hope cable show. So you can also watch him there. He is a, is a major leader around the world in grief and loss. And his name is Dr. Dale Larson. And like you said, mom, we are gonna be talking about brief struggles during COVID-19. Uh, Dale is a professor at Santa Clara University and he is the author of The Helper's Journey, Empathy, Compassion, and the Challenge of Caring. And he has written extensively in peer-reviewed journals as well as for the, the public and been interviewed about grief, loss, hope, and healing. So welcome to the show, Dale. Thank you so much. It's really an honor to be with you again. I, I just so much admire what you're doing and it's so important. So much uh, fun to have you on always. And fun is kind of an odd thing to say during COVID, but um, there is joy and, and wonder, but we're talking about a really tough sub subject right now. And Dale, it's dear to my heart right now because Heidi got COVID and mm. it was so scary for us, uh, for my husband and I to know uh, we were apart from her and she had COVID. And also my uh, sister-in-law's in, -law in uh, a long-term care setting, uh, and she is in hospice. And she, we get the saddest phone calls from her. And so leading up to this is breaking our hearts. I think we feel disappointed in ourselves mm. that, that we can't do more, that we're not, you know. And then having the loss happen, and I don't know, talk to us about that. Oh uh, yeah, well, you're just pointing to the key things that are happening, which is the separation, the isolation, the way all the normal ways that we cope with these situations are being interfered with. Um, not being able to be with our loved ones when they're struggling, um, the um, absolute anxiety that we have about what's going to occur. Uh, all the, the, the ways that we cope with these situations are being interfered with. So we we are i think disappointment is a good word and you know sometimes that can become guilt which becomes a problem um and um you know we can talk about that and how we might work with that because um you know we feel bad we're not able to be there you weren't able to be with heidi you weren't able to be with your relative uh in that situation which we normally would do we would normally be there and we'd have those conversations and we'd be able to process things. So there's a ton of unfinished business, we call it, um, you know, that, that remain for us in all these situations. They're incomplete. Um, I, I, you know, I think also we, we have a lot of, a lot of other things going on with anxiety in this, in this crisis that mm -hmm. are extraordinary. 
that uh, are situational. So we're going to eventually have to learn how to undo some of these learned behaviors that we were taking on. So talk about um, what what's going on for the people that you're seeing where there has been a death and they're feeling guilt and there's not a funeral and talk about some of those things that are happening. Well, there's a, a terrible feeling. Um, uh, I can't be there. I've, so many people are telling me, um, you know, my we've had a death in the family. And, and so it's not just COVID related deaths, it's all deaths right. now. It's mm -hmm. affecting everyone. Yeah. The COVID is a subsample. COVID related deaths and grief, or it's a subsample, and it's it maybe the most extreme. So think of it as uh, you know you're at the epicenter if you have a COVID related loss because the isolation, the separation is more extreme because of all the precautions that are taken, the limited travel. But you have it across the board, and so what we're seeing is that people are uh, absolutely being torn that we're not able to be there to be at the funeral to to mourn the way we mourn we can't sit shiva we can't do any of the things you know if you're jewish and you they're just across the board it's it's become so complicated so i think you know if you're right at the epicenter and you know you have a covid related loss and you're saying goodbye to your loved one on facebook as you're standing outside the hospital or the icu um, what could be more traumatic than that? So I think we're gonna. I think the no novel coronavirus uh, is is gonna generate some novel forms of traumatic bereavement that we're gonna be managing for those people who have a COVID-related loss. But uh, again, it's gonna be affecting all the, the losses that people are having during this period. Well, well, and I read something that some where someone said, "I feel like the loss is fake. Mm -hmm. I feel like it really didn't happen." Mm -hmm. And so, you know, even though they're hearing that it happened, I think some people are wondering, is the person really gone? Yeah, accepting the reality becomes really difficult when you mm -hmm. are trying to do it in a virtual reality. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem real. It doesn't feel real. We have to be there holding people, talking to people, mm -hmm. um, experiencing it more fully. So we, we how can one experience it really fully? And that's that's the problem with grief. We have to confront it and be with it. And it's really hard when it's uh, being done in this kind of virtual reality. So we're having, I haven't thought of this before, but kind of like virtual grief. <laughs> it doesn't really like quite this. make, it doesn't quite make sense, but it kind of does. It's, we're yeah. having a different form of, of grieving and, and what's the end going to be with this you know this is getting complicated how are people going to get started again we're opening the economy how are people who are grieving going to get started again well there's there are a lot of steps with with guilt in particular um that sometimes we are confusing guilt with regret and that uh it's natural to feel regret in a lot of these situations uh, guilt and COVID-19 and um, you know there are a lot of different forms it can take mm -hmm. you could have an experience where you're feeling like she got it from me I've actually contributed to this death because I might have infected him or her that is a really tragic kind of thing to mm -hmm. to have to live with and and to be uncertain about it forever so that could be a very painful experience well and um, i'm going to i'm going to step in here dale because sure. i'm going to tell you as someone that had covid 19 and was symptomatic for three and a half weeks my biggest concern was not for myself it was how many people have i unknowingly infected 
-hmm. And how many people am I now, like, I'm so afraid my family is now going to get infected. So like you said, I mean, the guilt and shame that goes around having COVID-19 is just beginning mm -hmm. to be talked about out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's very powerful. And, and it's the uncertainty. So it allows us to just kind of uh, freely attribute you know, it to ourselves, which is a natural tendency to kind mm -hmm. of blame ourselves mm -hmm. uh, in any situation because we want to get some control. We want to, and, mm -hmm. and that's a lot of what, what guilt is about. It's feeling like I um, can, can ha kind of have some control because someone's responsible, namely me. And, and actually that kind of doesn't work too well um, because we are, uh, you know, worsening our situation. Shame is even worse if I might, mm -hmm. you know, talk a little bit about that because shame is I'm bad there's if it goes to shame it's even more problematic for us because we're feeling less good about ourselves so you know self-compassion has to kick in there pretty quickly but with guilt uh, we so we want to move shame to guilt actually but then when we get to guilt with this situation there's a lot of uncertainty I don't know if I'm responsible or I'm not responsible right um, and you know what would one of the things that's a, good to do is to imagine, well, what would somebody else, what would you say to someone else in your situation? So if I, I said to you, you know, Heidi, well, what would you say, you know, you're a therapist and right. you know, so it's a little different, but just in general, if you say to people, what would you say to someone else in your situation? They probably would say very comforting things saying, mm -hmm. you couldn't possibly know that you, you, you didn't know you even had this condition, you know, at that particular point in time. Um, so it might, relieve you some of the the guilt and the and the self-blame because you know there's responsibility and then there's blame and we have to really differentiate between them well um, and it sounds like the same kind of thought process can be used for someone that is grieving a loss mm -hmm. and that is feeling that is criticizing themselves for not being there mm -hmm. and for not doing more as their loved one was dying Exactly. Yeah. That, that when you step back from it and you realize, you know, um, really the feeling that's there is more deep regret. There was really nothing I could do mm -hmm. um, that I, I, I couldn't possibly be there. Um, and um, and then we have to experience. And this is the hard thing that sometimes we don't want to experience for good reason, which is the helplessness the powerlessness that we really had in that situation. And then we bump into that and it's very, very painful. So as long as we may, sometimes guilt has this kind of function in grief and it can kind of, in a way, be a little bit of a, a barrier against experiencing the grief fully. Um, and I think in this situation, there are just so many ways that we can be making all kinds of attributions, self-attributions, um, you know, blaming ourselves um, when there's really not a, a rational reason. So guilt doesn't have to be rational. You know, that's one of the, mm -hmm. the key things about guilt is it's not rational. But, you know, the thing about guilt is too, and shame also, is that there's an upside to them in a way because they, they point to something. All our emotions have something to teach us. So even guilt and shame, they're pointing in a direction. They're saying, here's maybe what we need to do. We need to move toward um, repairing something if we can, mm -hmm. which in the COVID situation, a lot of times the, what you're talking about, you can't really do anything different, have done anything differently. And you can't do anything differently. 
in retrospect, um, but you, you know, with the Monday morning quarterbacking, you right. can say, well, what could I have done? Well, I really couldn't have done anything. Mm-hmm. That sometimes can be a relief. But both of them kind of point toward, you know, seeking to restore good feelings and connection because they're very socially motivated kinds of feelings. So with guilt, we want to repair a relationship. But the problem is that when someone's died, we maybe we have to do that in a counseling situation or just internally talking it through with them, this unfinished business. There's so much unfinished business in this COVID world now that's it's un, unbelievable. Well, well, my mom and I always, always talk about gestalt therapy. Yeah. And like having maybe an empty chair in the room with yeah. your, if you're in therapy or by yourself and have visualizing, you know, your loved one there. And what would you say? Like you said, having a conversation. Yeah. And, and your loved one could be saying things like, I know you would have been there. Mm-hmm. I know you would give anything to be with me. I know you'd almost give your life to be with me. And I know you couldn't be with me. I forgive you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are the kinds of inner voices we need to have kind of rise up, you know, to support us. So, you know, maybe you could call it self-compassion, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, really being kind to yourself. Um, I think we feel so horrible. And I think a lot of that is deep, deep regret more than guilt. So I think that, you know, it, it's, it's important to recognize that, that, uh, we have that and we don't want it to become shame. We don't want it to become, um, a feeling of like there's something really bad about me that I didn't mm-hmm. do do this thing that I couldn't possibly do. You know, peer support is tremendously helpful. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's that instant empathy you can have in a group with people who have the same experience. And then we have the providers and their guilt. You know, one of the major findings uh, in end-of-life research was a huge study of end-of-life workers. And they said, what are your major stressors? Number one was the, the workload which is understandable with, you know, limited resources around. But the second most powerful stressor for them that they reported was not having the time to grieve. And if you think about the frontline COVID people, um, they don't have time to grieve. Let's give people some ideas. All of those things that would normally have happened have not happened yet. And we kind of put it on hold. When you put grief on hold, you know, it, it gets frozen in a different way and uh, than what we like. And so it's, it's going to take some real attention to following through, to making those things happen that would naturally have happened. I really believe that. I think that, and, and it's sometimes I've heard from some people, well, she didn't even want a funeral, so maybe we won't do anything. Well, you know, um, she might not yeah, have wanted one. thing there. I always say people, funerals are for the living. When <laughs> I hear people tell me now, they're going to do that. They want this. They want that. They want this. Right. And I always say funerals are for the living. But with the, the new challenges, it's easy to go with that kind of thought and mm-hmm. not push forward and make it happen, which you have to do for yourself and all the survivors. And and we have to find ways to um, to to recreate things that would have normally happened um, naturally. Have you got a couple of suggestions on recreating things? Well, I think, you know, the, the idea of, I mean, it's thinking about the future. How do we ever get together again? I think we're, we're so um, uncertain about when we can meet, but I, I do think, I do think there's a, a lot of value in, in having, you know, lots of zooming and mm-hmm. people communicating it's not as good as being in person irl but 
it's very, very good. So um, reaching out, having the family members communicate with each other and really talk things through has a tremendous value. And actually, you know, you can have a more extended conversation now with Zoom. Let's take advantage of this technology and really put it to work and, um, you know, have more meetings with everyone there. I think, you know, as you know, and uh, you know, we all know, rituals are very important. So trying to build in some rituals have, uh, you know, and as you're saying, uh, Gloria, it's a long-term project, you know, annual things. I mean, we know that grief goes on for life. The helper's journey, empathy, compassion, and challenge of caring is out. Uh, the latest edition, and it's got some good stuff on there. It's got some uh, th things about burnout that you can give yourself a little test and all sorts of advice. And uh, thank you so much for being on, Dale. You're fantastic. Thanks a lot. Well, it's really an honor, and I really uh, just always cheer you guys on. You're just doing such tremendous work, so love you. Take care. Visit us at opentohope.com, but also we're excited to tell you we're going to have an International Day of Healing on June 22nd, and we hope you'll all join us. We're going to have a whole day of healing for you. It's going to be fabulous. It's going to be supported by the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation, and uh, the Soaring Spirits and TAPS Tragedy Assistance Program. It's gonna be an absolutely amazing day for you all to get some help and love and coping. And we, God bless all of you that are out there that have had a loss. Our hearts are with you. It's a long-term process, hang in there. And Heidi and I, and I'm sure Dale, wanna remind everybody that you, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.